Chapter Twenty Five of Joshua by George Ebers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Five. The Hebrews came nearer and nearer, and many of the young combatants hastened to meet them. These were not the joyous bands who had joined triumphantly in Miriam's song of praise. No, they tottered toward the mountain slowly with drooping heads they were obliged to scale the pass from the steeper side and how the bearers sighed how piteously the women and children wailed how fiercely the drivers swore as they urged the beasts of burden up the narrow rugged path how hoarsely sounded the voices of the half-fainting men as they braced their shoulders against the carts to aid the beasts of burden these thousands who but a few short days before had so gratefully felt the saving mercy of the lord seemed to joshua who stood watching their approach like a defeated army but the path they had followed from their last encampment the harbor by the red sea was rugged arid and to them who had grown up among the fruitful plains of lower egypt toilsome and full of terror it had led through the midst of the bare rocky landscape and their eyes accustomed to distant horizons and luxuriant green foliage met narrow boundaries and a barren wilderness since passing through the gate of baba they had beheld on their way through the valley of the same name and their subsequent pilgrimage through the wilderness of sin nothing save valleys with steep precipices on either side a lofty mountain of the hue of death had towered black and terrible above the reddish-brown slopes which seemed to the wanderers like the work of human hands for the strata of stones rose at regular intervals one might have supposed that the giant builders whose hands had toiled here in the service of the sculptor of the world had been summoned away ere they had completed the task which in this wilderness had no searching eye to fear and seemed destined for the service of no living creature gray and brown granite cliffs and ridges rose on both sides of the path and in the sand which covered it lay heaps of small bits of red porphyry and coal-black stones that seemed as if they had been broken by the blows of a hammer and resembled the dross from which metal had been melted greenish masses of rock most peculiar in form surrounded the narrow cliff-circled mountain valleys which opened into one another the ascending path pierced them and often the hebrews as they entered feared that the lofty cliffs in the distance would compel them to return then murmurs and lamentations arose but the mode of egress soon appeared and led into another rock valley on departing from the harbor at the red sea they had often found thorny gum acacias and an aromatic desert plant which the animals relished but the farther they entered the rocky wilderness the more scorching and arid the sand became and at last the eye sought in vain for herbs and trees at elam fresh springs and shade-giving palms were found and at the red sea there were well-filled cisterns but here at the camp in the wilderness of sin nothing had been discovered to quench the thirst and at noon it seemed as though an army of spiteful demons had banished every inch of shade cast by the cliffs for every part of the valleys and ravines blazed and glowed and nowhere was there the slightest protection from the scorching sun the last water brought with them had been distributed among the human beings and animals and when the procession started in the morning not a drop could be found to quench their increasing thirst 
then the old doubting rancor and rebelliousness took possession of the multitude curses directed against moses and the elders who had led them from the comfort of well-watered egypt to this misery never ceased but when they climbed the pass of the sword point their parched throats had become too dry for oaths and invectives messengers from old nun ephraim and her had already informed the approaching throngs that the young men had gained a victory and liberated joshua and the other captives but their discouragement had become so great that even this good news made little change and only a flitting smile on the bearded lips of the men or a sudden flash of the old light in the dark eyes of the women appeared miriam accompanied by melancholy milka had remained with her companions instead of as usual calling upon the women to thank the most high reuben the husband of her sorrowful ward whom fear of disappointment still deterred from yielding to his newly awakened hopes was a quiet reticent man so the first messenger did not know whether he was among the liberated prisoners but great excitement overpowered milka and when miriam bade her be patient she hurried from one playmate to another assailing them with urgent questions when even the last could give her no information concerning the husband she had loved and lost she burst into loud sobs and fled back to the prophetess but she received little consolation for the woman who was expecting to greet her own husband as a conqueror and see the rescued friend of her childhood was absent-minded and troubled as if some heavy burden oppressed her soul moses had left the tribes as soon as he learned that the attack upon the mines had succeeded and joshua was rescued for it had been reported that the warlike amalekites who dwelt in the oasis at the foot of mount sinai were preparing to resist the hebrews passage through their well-watered tract in the wilderness with its wealth of palms accompanied by a few picked men he set off across the mountains in quest of tidings expecting to join his people between alush and rephidim in the valley before the oasis abaddon the head of the tribe of benjamin with her and nun the princes of judah and ephraim after their return from the mines were to represent him and his companions as the people approached the steep pass her with more of the rescued prisoners came to meet them and hurrying in advance of all the rest was young reuben milka's lost husband she had recognized him in the distance as he rushed down the mountain and spite of miriam's protest darted into the midst of the tribe of simeon which marched in front of hers the sight of their meeting cheered many a troubled spirit and when at last clinging closely to each other they hurried to miriam and the latter beheld the face of her charge it seemed as though a miracle had been wrought for the pale lily had become in the hue of her cheeks a blooming rose her lips too which she had but rarely and timidly opened for a question or an answer were in constant motion for how much she desired to know how many questions she had to ask the silent husband who had endured such terrible suffering they were a handsome happy pair and it seemed to them as if instead of passing naked rocks over barren desert paths they were journeying through a vernal landscape where springs were gushing and birds caroling their songs miriam who had done everything in her power to sustain the grieving wife was also cheered by the sight of her happiness but every trace of joyous sympathy soon vanished from her features for while reuben and milka as if borne on wings 
seemed scarcely to touch the soil of the wilderness. She moved forward with drooping head, oppressed by the thought that it was her own fault that no like happiness could bloom for her in this hour. She told herself that she had made a sore sacrifice, worthy of the highest reward and pleasing in the sight of God, when she refused to obey the voice of her heart, yet she could not banish from her memory the dying Egyptian, who had denied her right to be numbered among those who loved Hosea, the woman who for his sake had met so early a death. She, Miriam, lived, yet she had killed the most fervent desire of her soul. Duty forbade her thinking with ardent longing of him who lingered up yonder, devoted to the cause of his people and the God of his fathers, a free, noble man, perhaps the future leader of the warriors of her race, and if Moses so appointed, next to him, the first and greatest of all the Hebrews, but lost, forever lost, to her. Had she on that fateful night obeyed the yearning of her woman's heart, and not the demands of the vocation which placed her far above all other women, he would long since have clasped her in his arms, as quiet Reuben embraced this poor, feeble Milka, now so joyous as she walked stoutly at his side. What thoughts were these? She must drive them to the inmost recesses of her heart, seek to crush them, for it was a sin for her to long so ardently to meet another. She wished for her husband's presence, as a savior from herself and the forbidden desires of this terrible hour. Her, the prince of the tribe of Judah, was her husband, not the former Egyptian, the liberated captive. What had she to ask from the Ephraimite, whom she had forever refused? Why should it hurt her that the liberated prisoner did not seek her? Why did she secretly cherish the foolish hope that momentous duties detained him? She scarcely saw or heard what was passing around her, and Milka's grateful greeting to her husband first informed her that her was approaching. He had waved his hand to her while still afar, but he came alone, without Hosea or Joshua. She cared not what the rescued man called himself, and it angered her to feel that this hurt her, nay, pierced her to the heart. Yet she esteemed her elderly husband, and it was not difficult for her to give him a cordial welcome. He answered her greeting joyously and tenderly, but when she pointed to the reunited pair, and extolled him as victor and deliverer of Reuben, and so many hapless men, he frankly owned that he had no right to this praise. It was the due of Joshua, whom she herself had summoned in the name of the Most High, to command the warriors of the people. Miriam turned pale, and in spite of the steepness of the road, pressed her husband with questions. When she heard that Joshua was resting on the heights with his father and the young men, and refreshing themselves with wine, and that her had promised to resign voluntarily, if Moses desired to entrust the command to him, her heavy eyebrows contracted in a gloomy frown beneath her broad forehead, and with curt severity she exclaimed, you are my lord, and it is not seemly for me to oppose you, not even if you forget your own wife so far that you give place to the man who once ventured to raise his eyes to her. He no longer cares for you, her eagerly interrupted. Nay, were I to give you a letter of divorce, he would no longer desire to possess you. Would he not? asked Miriam with a forced smile. Do you owe this information to him? He has devoted himself, body and soul, to the welfare of the people, and renounces the love of woman, replied her. 
but his wife exclaimed renunciation is easy where desire would bring nothing save fresh rejection and shame not to him who in the hour of the utmost peril sought aid from the egyptians is the honor of the chief command of the warriors due but rather to you who led the tribes to the first victory at the storehouse in sukkoth and to whom the lord himself through moses his servant confided the command her looked anxiously at the woman for whom a late fervent love had fired his heart and seeing her glowing cheeks and hurried breathing knew not whether to attribute these symptoms to the steep ascent or to the passionate ambition of her aspiring soul which she now transferred to him her husband that she held him in so much higher esteem than the younger hero whose return he had dreaded pleased him but he had grown gray in the strict fulfillment of duty and would not deviate from what he considered right his mere hints had been commands to the wife of his youth whom he had borne to the grave a few years before and as yet he had encountered no opposition from miriam that joshua was best fit to command the fighting men of the people was unquestionable so he answered with panting breath for the ascent taxed his strength also your good opinion is an honor and pleasure to me but even should moses and the elders confer the chief command upon me remember the heap of stones at sukkoth and my vow i have ever been mindful of it and shall keep it miriam looked angrily aside and said nothing more till they had reached the summit of the pass the victorious youths were greeting their approaching kindred with loud shouts the joy of meeting the provisions captured and the drink which though sparingly distributed was divided among the greatest sufferers raised the drooping courage of the exhausted wayfarers and the thirsting hebrews shortened the rest at the summit of the pass in order to reach dofka more quickly they had heard from joshua that they would find there not only ruined cisterns but also a hidden spring whose existence had been revealed to him by the ex-captain of the prisoners guards the way led down the mountain haste was the watchword of the fainting hebrews on their way to a well and thus soon after sunset they reached the valley of the turquoise mines where they encamped around the hill crowned by the ruined fortress and burned storehouses of dovka the spring in an acacia grove dedicated to the goddess hathor was speedily found and fire after fire was quickly lighted the wavering hearts which in the desert of sin had been on the verge of despair were again filled with the anticipation of life hope and grateful faith the beautiful acacias it is true had been felled to afford easier access to the spring whose refreshing waters had effected this wonderful change at the summit of the pass joshua and miriam had met again but found time only for a hasty greeting in the camp they were brought into closer relations joshua had appeared among the people with his father the heir of the princely old man who was held in such high esteem received joyous greetings from all sides and his counsel to form a vanguard of the youthful warriors a rearguard of the older ones and sent out chosen bands of the former on reconnoitering expeditions was readily adopted he had a right to say that he was familiar with everything pertaining to the guidance and defense of a large army god himself had entrusted him with the chief command and moses by sending him the monition to be strong and steadfast had confirmed the office her too who now possessed it 
was willing to transfer it to him, and this man's promise was inviolable, though he had omitted to repeat it in the presence of the elders. Joshua was treated as if he held the chief command, and he himself felt his own authority supreme. After the assembly dispersed, Hur had invited him, spite of the late hour, to go to his tent, and the warrior accompanied him, for he desired to talk with Miriam. He would show her, in her husband's presence, that he had found the path which she had so zealously pointed out to him. In the presence of another's wife, the tender emotions of a Hebrew were silent. Hur's consort must be made aware that he, Joshua, no longer cherished any love for her. Even in his solitary hours, he had wholly ceased to think of her. He confessed that she was a noble, a majestic woman, but the very memory of this grandeur now sent a chill through his veins. Her actions, too, appeared in a new light. Nay, when at the summit of the pass she had greeted him with a cold smile, he felt convinced that they were utterly estranged from one another, and this feeling grew stronger and stronger, beside the blazing fire in the stately tent of the chief, where they met a second time. The rescued Reuben and his wife Milka had deserted Miriam long before, and during her lonely waiting, many thoughts had passed through her mind, which she meant to impress upon the man, to whom she had granted so much, that its memory now weighed on her heart like a crime. We are most ready to be angry with those to whom we have been unjust, and this woman regarded the gift of her love as something so great, so precious, that it behooved even the man whom she had rejected, never to cease to remember it with gratitude. But Joshua had boasted that he no longer desired, even were she offered to him, the woman whom he had once so fervently loved and clasped in his embrace. Nay, he had confirmed this assertion by leisurely waiting, without seeking her. At last he came, and in company with her husband, who was ready to cede his place to him. But she was present, ready to watch with open eyes, for the welfare of the too generous her. The elderly man, to whose fate she had linked her own, and whose faithful devotion touched her, should be defrauded by no rival of the position which was his due, and which he must retain, if only because she rebelled against being the wife of a man who could no longer claim next to her brothers the highest rank in the tribes. Never before had the much-courted woman, who had full faith in her gift of prophecy, felt so bitter, sore, and irritated. She did not admit it to herself, yet it seemed as if the hatred of the Egyptians, with which Moses had inspired her, and which was now futile, had found a new purpose, and was directed against the only man whom she had ever loved. But a true woman can always show kindness to everyone whom she does not scorn, so though she blushed deeply at the sight of the man whose kiss she had returned, she received him cordially and with sympathetic questions. Meanwhile, however, she addressed him by his former name, Hosea, and when he perceived it was intentional, he asked if she had forgotten that it was she herself who, as the confidant of the Most High, had commanded him henceforward to call himself Joshua. Her features grew sharper with anxiety, as she replied that her memory was good, but he reminded her of a time which she would prefer to forget. He had himself forfeited the name the Lord had given him, by preferring the favor of the Egyptians to the help which God had promised. Faithful to the old custom, she would continue to call him Hosea. 
the honest-hearted soldier had not expected such hostility but he maintained a tolerable degree of composure and answered quietly that he would rarely afford her an opportunity to address him by this or any other name those who were his friends readily adopted that of joshua miriam replied that she too would be ready to do so if her husband approved and he himself insisted upon it for the name was only a garment of course offices and honors were another matter when joshua then declared that he still believed god himself had summoned him through the lips of his prophetess to command the hebrew soldiers and that he would admit the right of no one save moses to deprive him of his claim to this office her assented and held out his hand to him then miriam dropped the restraint she had hitherto imposed on herself and with defiant eagerness continued there i am of a different opinion you did not obey the summons of the most high can you deny this and when the omnipresent one found you at the feet of pharaoh instead of at the head of his people he deprived you of the office with which he had entrusted you he the mightiest of generals summoned the tempest and the waves and they swallowed up the foe so perished those who were your friends till their heavy fetters made you realize their true disposition toward you and your race but i meanwhile was extolling the mercy of the most high and the people joined in my hymn of praise on that very day the lord summoned another to command the fighting men in your stead and that other as you know is my husband if her has never learned the art of war god will surely guide his arm and it is he and none other who bestows the victory my husband hear it again is the sole commander of the hosts and if in the abundance of his generosity he has forgotten it he will retain his office when he remembers whose hand chose him and when i his wife raise my voice and recall it to his memory joshua turned to go in order to end the painful discussion but her detained him protesting that he was deeply incensed by his wife's unseemly interference in the affairs of men and that he insisted on his promise a woman's disapproving words were blown away by the wind it would be moses's duty to declare whom jehovah had chosen to be commander while making this reply her had gazed at his wife with stern dignity as if admonishing discretion and the look seemed to have effected its purpose for miriam had alternately flushed and paled as she listened nay she had even detained the guest by beckoning him with a trembling hand to approach as though she desired to soothe him let me say one thing more she began drawing a long breath that you may not misunderstand my meaning i call every one our friend who devotes himself to the cause of the people and how self-sacrificingly you intended to do this her has informed me it was your confidence in pharaoh's favor that parted us therefore i know how to prize your firm and decisive breach with the egyptians but i did not correctly estimate the full grandeur of this deed until i learned that not only long custom but other bonds united you to the foe what is the meaning of these words replied joshua convinced that she had just fitted to the bowstring another shaft intended to wound him but miriam unheeding the question calmly continued with a defiant keenness of glance that contradicted her measured speech after the lord's guidance had delivered us from the enemy 
the red sea washed ashore the most beautiful woman we have seen for a long time i bandaged the wound a hebrew woman dealt her and she acknowledged that her heart was filled with love for you and that on her dying bed she regarded you as the idol of her soul joshua thoroughly incensed exclaimed if this is the whole truth wife of her my father has given me a false report for according to what i heard from him the hapless woman made her last confession only in the presence of those who loved me not in yours and she was right to shun you you would never have understood her here he saw a smile of superiority hover around miriam's lips but he repelled it as he went on ah your intellect is tenfold keener than poor kasana's ever was but your heart which was open to the most high had no room for love it will grow old and cease to beat without having learned the feeling in spite of your flashing eyes i will tell you you are more than a woman you are a prophetess i cannot boast of gifts so lofty i am merely a plain man who understands the art of fighting better than that of foretelling the future yet i can see what is to come you will foster the hatred of me that glows in your breast and will also implant it in your husband's heart and zealously strive to fan it there and i know why the fiery ambition which consumes you will not suffer you to be the wife of a man who is second to another you refuse to call me by the name i owe to you but if hatred and arrogance did not stifle in your breast the one feeling that still unites us love for our people the day will come when you will voluntarily approach and unasked by the free impulse of your heart call me joshua with these words he took leave of miriam and her husband by a short wave of the hand and vanished in the darkness of the night her gazed gloomily after him in silence until the footsteps of the belated guest had died away in the sleeping camp then the ill-repressed wrath of the grave man who had hitherto regarded his young wife with tender admiration knew no bounds with two long strides he stood directly before her as she gazed with a troubled look into the fire her face even paler than his own his voice had lost its metallic harmony and sounded shrill and sharp as he exclaimed i had the courage to woo a maiden who supposed herself to be nearer to god than other women and now that she has become my wife she makes me atone for such presumption atone escaped miriam's livid lips and a defiant glance blazed at him from her black eyes but undismayed he continued grasping her hand with so firm a pressure that it hurt her ay you make me atone for it shame on me if i permit this disgraceful hour to be followed by similar ones miriam strove to wrest her hand from his clasp but he would not release it and went on i sought you that you might be the pride of my house i expected to sow honor and i reap disgrace for what could be more humiliating to a man than to have a wife who rules him who presumes to wound with hostile words the heart of the friend who is protected by the laws of hospitality a woman of different mould a simple-hearted upright wife who looked at her husband's past life instead of planning how to increase his greatness that she might share it with him need not have had me shout into her ears that her has garnered honors and dignities enough during his long existence to be able to spare a portion of them without any loss of esteem it is not the man who holds the chief command 
but the one who shows the most self-sacrificing love for the people that is greatest in the eyes of jehovah you desire a high place you seek to be honored by the multitude as one who is summoned by the lord i shall not forbid it so long as you do not forget what the duty of a wife commands you owe me love also for you vow to give it on your marriage day but the human heart can bestow only what it possesses and hosea is right when he says that love which is warm itself and warms others is a feeling alien to your cold nature with these words he turned his back upon her and went to the dark portion of the tent while miriam remained standing by the fire whose flickering light illumined her beautiful pallid face with clenched teeth and hands pressed on her heaving bosom she stood gazing at the spot where he had disappeared her gray-haired husband had confronted her in the full consciousness of his dignity a noble man worthy of reverence a true princely chief of his tribe and infinitely her superior his every word had pierced her bosom like the thrust of a lance the power of truth had given each its full emphasis and held up to miriam a mirror that showed her an image from which she shrank now she longed to rush after him and beg him to restore the love with which he had hitherto surrounded her and which the lonely woman had gratefully felt she knew that she could reciprocate his costly gift for how ardently she longed to have one kind forgiving word from his lips her soul seemed withered parched torpid like a cornfield on which a poisonous mildew has fallen yet it had once been green and blooming she thought of the tilled fields in goshen which after having borne an abundant harvest remained arid and bare till the moisture of the river came to soften the soil and quicken the seed which it had received so it had been with her soul only she had flung the ripening grain into the fire and with blasphemous hand erected a dam between the fructifying moisture and the dry earth but there was still time she knew that he erred in one respect she knew she was like all other women capable of yearning with ardent passion for the man she loved it depended solely on herself to make him feel this in her arms now it is true he was justified in thinking her harsh and unfeeling for where love had once blossomed in her soul a spring of bitterness now gushed forth poisoning all it touched was this the vengeance of the heart whose ardent wishes she had heroically slain god had disdained her sorest sacrifice this it was impossible to doubt for his majesty was no longer revealed to her in visions that exalted the heart and she was scarcely entitled to call herself his prophetess this sacrifice had led her the truth-loving woman into falsehood and plunged her who in the consciousness of seeking the right path lived at peace with herself into torturing unrest since that great and difficult deed she who had once been full of hope had obtained nothing for which she longed she who recognized no woman as her superior had been obliged to yield in shame her place to a poor dying egyptian she had been kindly disposed toward all who were of her blood and were devoted to the sacred cause of her people and now her hostile bitterness had wounded one of the best and noblest the poorest bondman's wife rejoiced to bind more and more closely the husband who had once loved her she had wickedly estranged hers seeking protection she had approached his hearthstone shivering but she had found it warmer than she had hoped 
and his generosity and love fell upon her wounded soul like balm true he could not restore what she had lost but he could give a welcome compensation ah he no longer believed her capable of a tender emotion yet she needed love in order to live and no sacrifice seemed to her too hard to gain his but pride was also a condition of her very existence and whenever she prepared to humbly open her heart to her husband the fear of humiliating herself overpowered her and she stood as though spellbound till the blazing wood at her feet fell into smoking embers and darkness surrounded her then a strange anxiety stole over her two bats which had come from the mines and circled round the fire darted past her like ghosts everything urged her back to the tent to her husband and with hasty resolution she entered the spacious room lighted by a lamp but it was empty and the female slave who received her said that her would spend the time until the departure of the people with his son and grandson a keen pang pierced her heart and she lay down to rest with a sense of helplessness and shame which she had not felt since her childhood a few hours after the camp was astir and when her husband in the gray dawn of morning entered the tent with a curt greeting pride again raised its head and her reply sounded cold and formal he did not come alone his son Yuri was with him but he looked graver than was his wont for the men of judah had assembled early and adjured him not to give up the chief command to any man who belonged to another tribe this had been unexpected he had referred them to moses's decision and his desire that it might be adverse to him was intensified as his young wife's self-reliant glance stirred fresh wrath in his soul End of chapter 25